0: Hello folks, you are listening to Rewriting Our Future, A Mind Control Exodus with me, Paul Henning. Join us on our journey as we explore and actively work to deprogram ourselves from the forces in the world that socially engineer our lives. Are the politicians, doctors, scientific experts, and news anchors telling us the truth? Is school, pop culture, social media, and television programming supporting the development of our highest consciousness, healthiest bodies, most sovereign selves? The more we research and listen to our intuition, the more we find that this answer is a loud and resounding no. And so, we are rewriting our future to opt out of the mind control these forces tirelessly aim to manipulate and coerce us with. Welcome to the show, where we are all figuring this out together. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me today. Today on episode 14, we have Yurasimos. Yurasimos is the co-host of the Here for the Truth podcast and one of the facilitators for the Rise Above the Herd group coaching container that I've been a part of for the last two months. Um, his podcast that he shares with his friend is a huge hit and it was a real blessing to have him on today. I've learned a lot from these guys. They're a real inspiration. Yurasimos um, talks today about his journey unto continuing more and more to walk his own authentic path and what that means to be able to understand and listen to our intuition, to distinguish that from emotions and your mind. Um, it's a great conversation. I really think y'all are going to enjoy it. I know I found a lot of value in it. Uh, thanks so much. All right. Hello, everyone. I am so grateful today to have somebody who's been a recent super big inspiration for me to help me make some changes in my life. Welcome, Eurasimos. Hello. Hello, Paul. How you Thanks doing? For, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's uh it's a blessing. Um to have you here. We I discovered you guys a few months ago on here here for the truth when I was looking up uh trying to find John Paul Jones. And uh he wasn't he's not maybe he's not that no, John Paul Rice. Excuse okay, me. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Paul Rice, yeah. And uh and he I was trying to find him and you guys came up with at least one interview with him and then from there it was off, man. So uh Yeah, it's a real blessing to have you here. I'll give a little bio um, for you. So Erosimos is the co-host of the Here for the Truth podcast, the co-creator of Rise Above the Herd, a transformational eight-week group coaching program, which is what I'm in right now, and the co-creator of Friends of the Truth, a private membership community of some of the most grounded, rational, and intuitive truth seekers online. I'm also part of that, so thank you for the compliment. He has personally been on a truth seeking journey for over 20 years and helps fellow seekers that are committed to growth become who they were born to be. His education and knowledge extend through a number of diverse areas, including psychology, human design, somatic therapies, other holistic health modalities, the performing arts, and more. Erosimos is a staunch advocate for individuals stepping into their true purpose and potential through self knowledge, radical self responsibility, and conscious action. He is dedicated towards exalting the very best of the human spirit bios are,
1: funny. bios are funny especially like when you write your own and then you hear someone read it yeah and you're like it's like what we were talking about before we went online it's like yeah that's
0: pretty awesome you know yeah
1: yeah <laughs> or, it is. Or, do I, or do i shy away from it like
0: okay whatever right no yeah i think you're right the more you lean into your bio the more i can lean into mine so i appreciate it Next time I'll have you on, you can write twice as long. And I'll be like, your was born. And <laughs> we <laughs> you can know. save that
1: for the episode, man.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, uh, True. Um, well, cool. So <clears throat> something that you ask everybody that I'm going to be excited to ask you is so I'm here in a multiple of your containers you've created. I'm part of your Friends of the Truth. And then I wasn't in Friends of the Truth for like more than like 10 days before I signed up for the Rise Above the Herd thing and that's cuz i had only been listening to your podcast for a few months or weeks even but it was just like really contagious the energy you guys have and the relationship and the the realness you know um, i think it's really uh i think it's really valuable cuz a lot of times today there's so much intensity you know but the uh the levity that you bring to the spiritual warfare that is our manifestation on earth is really needed i think um And so I can understand why y'all have been so attractive to so many. Um, So what is, could you give us a little bit of a version of your hero's journey and some of the rites of passage that you've been through that have gotten you to where you are today? I love it, man. You know, putting it on me this time. Um,
1: Well, first of all, just uh, based on what you said is, man, life's like serious and intense and hard enough, you know, and like I think one of the gifts that I bring is is that levity, is like balancing some of the seriousness. Um, but I think part of that is my nature, you know? Um and also realizing that it's imperative. I mean, when you're on a personal development journey. Like you have to you have to have the humor. But in terms of my rites of passage, man, I mean, let's see, I can go back early on. I was born uh one month premature and uh, had a highly traumatic birth. But no, all that stuff plays on you, you know? Like it plays on your psyche, it plays on who you are, uh, on your development. But um not to get too deep into that. Like I had Greek immigrant parents, man. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: my parents, my father lived the American dream. He came to this country with nothing and uh worked his ass off. He started working at 6 years old wow. and retired at 80. Wow. You know, and worked every day. So it's a very very different um upbringing and, and just lifestyle, like, like, I don't want that for myself. I'm not trying to work seven days a week, 15, 20 hours a day, you know, in that regards, but he did what he had to do to, you know, create a better life. And especially at that time when, you know, I think the American dream was still alive. I mean, it is in some way you could come to this country and, and work hard and make it, but it's a little different now. For sure. And, um, you know, I grew up traditionally in that sense. My mom took care of the household. She was a Greek homemaker. Um, and my dad worked. Uh, but I was always a curious child. I don't know if it's my Gemini nature or, you know, my uh, one line in human design, like my investigative nature, wanting to get to the bottom of things. But I was always curious. But the truth of the matter is I didn't really get a love of of learning and education until after I left conventional academics. Hmm. Like school was easy to me because I had a very uh, strong ability to remember information, memorize it and regurgitate it. And in our traditional academic, uh, academic system, that works, you know, memorize shit and just, you know, repeat it. Yep. Uh, and so I did well, but it wasn't like I was, you know, stimulated by what I was learning in, you know, conventional academics. It was once I graduated college, I went to Boston University. I made the decision something that I always wanted to do is to backpack and travel. And so I graduated in 2002 from Boston university and I took my savings that I had and I spent um, two and a half, three months backpacking around Europe by myself. Uh, I had a couple of friends that met me for like two, like two weeks each. Yeah. But I remember bringing, this was 2002. This was pre Kindle. Uh, I remember bringing like 10 like books with me <laughs> and Reading and really beginning to read. There's a couple of books beforehand that I read that impacted me, one being Siddhartha by Herman Hess. But really, spending time traveling and on trains and sitting on a bench in a park and just reading an entire book. Yep. You know, because of the love of it, because of the desire, not because I was told to read it for school. And that really, you know, opened something up for me. Mm -hmm. You know, and actually, no, let me rewind is I think a major rite of passage was I studied abroad my third year of university. My second semester, I studied abroad in Australia. Nice. So I did I did a semester in Sydney, Australia, and that was when I first. Well, first of all, I just had a blast. I was like having fun. I wasn't 21 years old yet. So like I was able to drink and party. And, you know, that was a that was a really fun and cool experience. Um, But that was where I met all these Aussies and Brits who were like traveling for like a year, two years. I had never even heard of that. You know, you listen, you're a, like a, a backpacker and a traveler, and this is like kind of your foray and your expertise. But when I was at that age, growing up with like Greek parents who were very practical, who were like, listen, you know, you go to school, you get the job, you become doctor, you become lawyer and you do what you <laughs> have to do. Okay. like, this whole idea of a gap year, this year of just like taking time off, like that was very foreign, and it is pretty foreign for Americans, maybe a little less so now as like globalization has kicked in and internet has kicked in. So, you know, that was where the seed was planted, and I met these kids there, um, that were doing it, and I had something in the back of the mind. I said, One day I will take a year off and backpack around the globe. Anyways, it started with like two and a half months after college, before I had my first, you know, post-college like job you know wearing a suit and tie and that trip was amazing man I mean to go and travel Europe and to to sit in parks and visit museums and being by myself too because when you're by yourself you don't you're not on anyone else's timeline you know what I mean like I could Mm -hmm. sit in front of a piece of art in a museum (laughs) for an hour and a half staring at it without someone being like okay come on man let's go to the next thing let's get lunch it was like, nah, man. This is me. I'm soaking it all in. What does this mean to be alive? To be traveling? To to not know where my next day is going to take me? And so, yeah, that was huge for me, man. And then to be exposed to different ideas and different books, and and to have the time and space to really start like contemplating, like who was I, in a different sense, you know? Um, yeah, that was a that was a great thing. And then, of course, another reddish passage was I came back from that, and I had my my uh first post college job you know working in the hotel business you know i grew up in the restaurant business i loved making people happy you know i was a people pleaser you know uh and it was like oh the hospitality industry like i can make people smile i grew up around food my culture like this is what i want to do you know this is post 911 so i got i got placed in this property close to my home in new jersey and it was uh um you know it was It was cool. It was a good work learning experience, but I was like 22 at the time, managing like 30, 40 people. They're all older than me. And I learned a lot from that, but I realized this wasn't what I wanted. Like it took me about two years. I saved up money and I went, this is not for me. And as has been the case for me a lot is that once I sense something doesn't feel right, I can't stay in it for much longer. Yeah. Like I have to honor that And I would later, I would learn from human design, like honor my authority, you know, like I get some kind of gut impulse, but then I need to kind of wait it out and give myself some time to see if it feels right and then decide from that place. And so the Olympics were happening in Greece uh, in 2004. My parents are from there um, and they were spending a few months a year there in the summer. And so I left my corporate hotel job. I literally packed a massive suitcase full of books. And shipped it over to Greece. And I spent the entire three months reading books. And like eating figs off my fig tree. And like. Love it. Chilling dude. Like literally chilling. And, um, (laughs) And that was when I made the decision that I wanted to. You know another dream I had from being a kid. Is I wanted to pursue an acting career. You know I loved storytelling. I loved the emotional roller coasters. I would be put on watching an amazing movie. You know, like, like I was amazed that this story can make me angry, make me cry, make me feel all these things. And I had this like dream like, oh, I want to make people feel that, you know, I want people to have this experience. So I finally committed to it. And after that, 2004, I kind of moved to New York City and you got getting my whole life story, by the way, man. So that's but, cool.
0: I'm here for it. That's what I'm here yeah. for.
1: Um, and well, the, the important bits, at least. Yeah. And I. I ended up, yeah, like I ended up living in like my, my friend built like a tiny room for me. It was like a, like a closet pretty much. And I lived off my savings. I was living for $200 a month in New York city. Wow! Like I was just paying him that and living off my savings and just taking acting classes and going to central park and reading books. And like, you know, just, I had, I I found a way to create a lot of leisure time for myself to do the things that I wanted to do and to explore the things I wanted to explore. Meanwhile, my friends from college had their like normal jobs and they were like making fun of me because I like left my corporate hotel job. I was on the pathway of being like a hotelier. And, uh, and then I was like now living in our friend's closet and like taking acting classes, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so I was kind of the butt of some friends jokes, but this is where it comes down to like trusting yourself and knowing yourself. And I knew this was something I had to do. So anyways, make a long story, a very long story short, like, you know, my first acting mentor was heavily influenced by Doctors Hal and Sidra Stone, who were two psychologists. They developed something called voice dialogue, the psychology of selves, and the aware ego. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my acting training starting in my early, in my mid 20s. Um, yeah, I took some classes in college, but this was like real training was very consciousness based. It was like, okay, you've come to an acting class. Your personality and your, your, your state of consciousness is what it is. How do we honor the development of your personality, like in all the shit you've been through? And, and how do we ultimately create some space to integrate more of who you are? Because in the grand scheme of things, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be hired to play characters if you can't access those parts of you, like mm-hmm. truly, like not pretend, like really tap in mm-hmm. to these different places. So I fell in love with this process of self-exploration. You know, like I said before, I was a, I was a people pleaser. Like when I separated from that and that didn't rule my psychology, I was able to discover so much more of who I was, you know, more self-focused parts of me, parts of me that could disappoint others, parts of me that could insult others, that could set boundaries, that could get angry. And so while I was, while it was benefiting me in terms of telling, helping tell stories, it was helping me as a human being. I was it was coming. I was able to expand more of who I was, you know, and I enjoyed that. I kind of got addicted to that process, uh, and so that started my deep foray into personal development work, you know, which then led me to study nutrition, which then led me to study other things and keep reading and self education and blah 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 blah, you know, until I I made the uh, the other big decision that was was a rite of passage is. New York got, New York city got comfortable for me and I was like, listen, if I really want to be an actor, um, and get out of like my comfort where it was like living on the East coast, close to my family. I had my friends there. I had like different communities there. I was like, fuck it. I'm moving to LA. I'm just moving. Nice. So, you know, again, like I took savings and I, before I moved to LA, I went to Mexico for three weeks. And just sat on a beach for three weeks and kept reading. I just read books. You know, this is like the old days, man. Like people learn through travel and reading yep. and mentor and mentorship. Yep. Like our academic system doesn't really
0: set people up for. No, people hate like, books. Yeah, people hate books because they were forced to read them in school. It's the complete opposite. I agree with you, man.
1: One hundred percent. You know, so. You know, and again, like I said earlier, my love of knowledge came later. You know, Sure, I would have loved to have it been nurtured early on by my parents, but it wasn't. You know, it's my life. So it's all good. So then I moved to New York. I moved to Los Angeles. You know, I landed here January 5th, 2013. I'm coming up my 11-year anniversary, which is blowing my mind that it's been <laughs> 11 years since I've been here. And um, I realized very quickly, I went through a very big dark night of the soul, leaving so much comfort back east. And coming here, um, after about a year, year and a half, I realized that, you know, I didn't, I don't think I wanted to tackle the, the business side of acting, you know, like, I enjoyed the creative elements, I enjoyed the personal expression, but the business wasn't something that I was really drawn to. And at that moment, what helped make the decision is, um, by chance, I guess you can say, I met a mentor of mine who was an ex Navy SEAL trained in traditional Chinese medicine and different body work and holistic health modalities. And um, he took me under my, under his wing and mentored me. That's also, it was this part of this like healing community in Los Angeles. That's also where I met Sophie, my wife. She was training with him. She uh, was an assistant to him. Hmm. And so we, we met technically, well, we met once before, but we got closer in this five day, like intensive transformational workshop, like all day, all night, doing this intense body work and healing modalities. And we built a friendship, you know, we built a friendship and then, you know, six months later it moved on to something else. And so, you know, that was huge for me, um, getting into that kind of work and letting go of, of, um, my path of being an actor and really diving more into personal development, healing, body work, nervous system work, trauma work, coaching human design. Uh, and that's kind of what's been going on the last several
0: years. And, uh, here we are now I'm talking to you on Riverside. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing, man. It's really, uh, it really is incredible to hear, you know, because we see people with their platforms like yourself. And we always want, like, I think I have the tendency to, Oh, maybe I used to, I'm, I'm learning a lot more. I have a tendency to kind of give people, um, You give yourself more benefit of the doubt than others. Or also use my my statements. I would give myself a more benefit of the doubt than others. So, like successful people, which is something I'm getting rid of, which is what your your course has helped. It's like people that you see as successful. It's like, well, they must have had some sort of opportunity that I didn't have, right? I don't really feel like that all the time, but there's like a thorn of that in my side. So, I think it's really important to hear the stories, which is what y'all do in your podcast, um, is because it, it takes apart, it takes away any of this fuzziness to where it to where it's like i couldn't do something like your is doing but when you when you expose the story like this it's like you are you know these we're all just living our lives and you have take you jump you leap into the unknown and that's how you get to the next place you know it's not like somebody plucks you out of that apartment in new york some mentor in la doesn't come and be like you know i saw you on stage Uh during your acting class i was in the shadows and i'm gonna bring you over to like that's what we wish, or that's maybe how some yeah. movies tell us it's going to happen. It,
1: it happens sometimes, you know, from an acting standpoint. You know. Okay. Maybe yeah. One second, I want to lower this blind of-
0: No problem. The, the light was just shining in, and it was like it was kind of a little intense. Too, ma- too magnificent. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I I appreciate your uh, you uh, you sharing your story. You know, it's um. There's a lot of parts in there that, uh, that I, find, I found commonality with. It's really interesting. I um, also have left many chapters of my life based on impulse. And it was like this thing like, nope, this is not aligned. And I know I built up momentum here and these people are kind of counting on me and I have a role here and I get my money from here. And now I'm going to have to move. But so what? Like, I just can't stand the discomfort of living like in misalignment, right? It's like I got to this position and that was aligned. But now I'm, I'm changed. So now it's time to go somewhere else. Um, and I also spent lots of time reading books and traveling around. And it uh, it was incredibly valuable for me. It's funny to hear you say, like, you would just sit somewhere for months and read. Because um, I had people like uncles and people in my life or my friends that have been working their asses off since they were, like, 16, you know. Uh, they would just be like, must be nice to just be, like, sitting around reading on trains or on beaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Before I might have made more excuses for myself, and now I'm like, yeah, it is nice, and you could do it too, you know. And the incredible thing, it's like I'm sure it's similar for you, is that based on these leaps of faith and acts of courage and following intuition, I now have more freedom and more knowledge and money in my life than I would have if I had stayed on the grind years ago. Well,
1: but because this is this is, and I I did I totally skip back. Uh, skip past like another big period that relates to what we're saying in in 2008 when the world was going to shit and people were jumping out of buildings and killing themselves you know because of the Mm -hmm. crash i had taken all the savings that i got because when i was in new york city and acting i scored like the best bartending job in manhattan so i like made good money and finally i was like that moment that seed that was planted in australia when I met these Australians and Brits and other people traveling, mm-hmm. I'm like, now's the time. So I took off a year and backpacked in 2008 while the fucking world was going nice. insane. Yeah, You know what I mean? And so, like people, like, people thought I was crazy. Yeah, You know what I mean? But, like, this is the thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know you, Paul. Like, you ultimately can know you. Mm-hmm. Like, what's happening in my, my body? My mind, my spirit, like, no one fucking knows that. Right. Like, so how do we become true to that? How do we know ourselves? How do we become intimate with ourselves? And so that where that guides us to making like the choices that other people aren't going to like, I've disappointed people in my life. Mm-hmm. In my life. Yep. You have to become okay with disappointing people, disappointing people's projections of you. Right. Still to this day. My dad, my dad is 93 years old. I love my dad. I love my mom. I've been very blessed to have a, a great parents, you know, that provided a foundation of love, which I think has guided me into in the type of person I am and the life that I had. I don't lose sight of that. I want to give them mm. credit. And if I listened to what my parents, especially my dad, wanted for me, yeah. I would be fucking miserable. Right. If I just, like, took over the family business, the family diner, you know, other people, they do that. That's cool. Like, if you're into it, great. But that wasn't my path. Mm -hmm. And so how often do people betray themselves because there is something inside of them? There is that voice. There is that whisper. That is the. There is that knock on the door of their consciousness of, like, you need to make a fucking left turn right now, okay? You need to make a change. And no, 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 I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to smoke weed, smoke, smoke it away. I'm going to drink it away. I'm going to jerk it off away. I'm going to, no, no, I don't need to. I don't need to listen to this part that's creeping up that wants me to make a shift, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, that's why we are at the place we're at. I don't have it all figured out. There's still things I want to do, but like I'm filled with vitality, with life force, with excitement, with passion, because I'm following that inner voice of guide that guides me on my path. You know, it's, it wasn't it wasn't
0: determined by anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true, and it's uh, it's such a blessing to to be around people like yourself and the other people that you cultivated in your community that are that are living the same thing. Because I think a lot of times for people, uh, we t- we tend in, in the regular world you you just start to believe that no one is doing it. You know, or if like you're like. Like I was, or like my wife was we we try to make these changes and you try to follow your heart, and everyone kind of looks at you like weird, and then you think, well, I'm the weird one, you know, and so it's so important to step into communities that can support you, you know, it's like show me your friends, show me your future, it's so like cliche, but it's it's the truth and um you're you're you know there's that's there's that expression like your vibe attracts your tribe or something yeah. and and I used to have a lot of trouble I'm like, what does that mean like I got my vibe, but it's like no your vibe, your vibe is like how tuned you are. And so I used to think like, well, this is my vibe, but my vibe is like a guitar string and it can be tuned high or it can be in tune or out of tune. And so if I'm out of tune a little bit, but I think I'm cool, I'm just going to attract people that are out of tune. So I have to try harder and harder and, and to raise my vibe and to become more in tune. And it just brings in, it's so amazing how it just brings in people uh, like yourself and the others that I've met and, that's how I met my wife as well, traveling, so similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like if you hadn't been attracted to, to try to raise your vibe by going to that Chinese medicine thing, you I mean, those people probably seriously impressed you compared to other people in your life, you know? I mean, you left Hollywood, or, well, you discontinued a pursuit of Hollywood for more of the truth, I guess, or, or well, human. Well, it was
1: more yeah. of my truth, because I have yeah. friends
0: of mine that, like,
1: acting is like their life. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not my life. You know, it's right. like Michael Caine in his book, acting in film, says, "Listen, if you can think about doing something else, like if you can really see yourself doing something else, like you should probably do that, hmm. because it's it is, you know, it's it's not the easiest path, you know. For but sure. if it's your, if it's your life force, if you're drawn to it, great. But for me, it wasn't really. You know, I think mm-hmm. I was really, what, what I really loved about my acting journey, and I'm I'm not listen, I'm not saying that I won't get back in front of the camera one day. Like there's a part of me that misses you know, certain levels of that creative process. But I knew my my purpose was different. I was really drawn into health and personal development and consciousness studies. Like, that's what I was into, you know? So, but yeah, man, like, your vibe does attract your tribe. And like, authenticity attracts authenticity. So like, you, you what you get with me, like, what you see is what you get. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm into deep shit, spiritual stuff, esoteric stuff, but I'm not trying to act spiritual. I'm not trying to act deep. Like, I'm just being me, a Jersey fucking kid from Greek immigrant parents that has been Mm -hmm. on the path that he's been on. I curse, I swear, you know, maybe I don't articulate my words super clearly all the time, but like, this is what I'm about, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, you're either into it or you're not into it.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Moving forward. What do they say? What do you, you guys say? Like the imperfect best or something like that? just like moving perfect action imperfect action yeah exactly um and that's holding on to yourself because you can do forward you can still be yourself and move forward and i think a lot of times we forget that people want to be a totally new person before they move forward you know my job i work for a major health app that is like a weight loss app and i'm one of the health coaches so i text people every day through the platform to talk about their health and wellness goals mainly to help people lose weight Mm -hmm. and it's really disheartening because most people don't understand the first thing about themselves or their body or whatever. And, you know, and so to be yourself, who you are today, and to move forward on your pra- on your path, like you're describing, a lot of people don't understand that even with their weight, they think that they like have to wait before they get this whole new persona before they can start eating less portions or, or things like that. But the, but the imperfect action is the way you, you move forward. That's how you progress. I agree, man. Like you got to start somewhere. No one knows
1: Mm -hmm. everything. And then goes now, I like even what you said before, like someone's going to pluck me out of the crowd because now I know everything and now I can be a coach and now I can be a teacher and now I can create a workshop. Like that's not how it is, man. Mm -hmm. You know, and Joel and I actually talked about this on our recent little podcast is like, I had some of that. I, I am someone who loves to learn and know. And, and especially when you have mentors in your life, people that you look up to it's easy to go well i'm not them so i can't do the thing i can't do what they do like i'm not michael Tazarian. you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like i'm not but he ain't me (laughs) you know what i mean like (laughs) true yeah so so like and and like i'm not there maybe to like influence the people that he's influencing maybe in some ways i don't know but it's like at some level you have to realize like there are so many people that don't have the knowledge of life experience Mm -hmm. that you have. Mm -hmm. And so you can be an example to them. Yes. And like, I credit a a coach of mine that changed things for me. I, I, for the first time in my life, I invested heavily heavily in a coach several years ago. And I don't even think the one-on-one coaching was like that transformational, but what was transformational is he was just like, you need to fucking do something. Like he's, he literally said, you have to go. You need to find a space. You need to book it and you need to fill it up. You need to hold a workshop. And I was like, Ooh, Oh my God. Okay. So I went, I put money down for this like little space. And then I got 12 men to show up for a, uh, you know, a bodywork um all day. Like retreat. It was called somatic freedom, a pathway to true health. Hmm. And it was like dope, dude. It was awesome. And people like people loved it. And someone yeah. in that, was like a mindset coach and this was right as 2020 was starting and so like he hit me up he's like hey do you want to start something together uh and we did we were going to do a retreat together and then 2020 like kind of happened and so we did a monthly men's zoom meetup for three hours you know um and we did like 10 of them You know, so it's like, and then at that point, more people were starting to, like, ask me to get on interviews. Like, I was interviewed on Enslaved with my wife twice to talk about awakening somatic intelligence. And so here I am putting Michael David on this platform. And because I emailed him to share some stuff that Sophie had found in her research that aligned with um, Michael's thesis, thesis on a couple subjects, he just hits. Me back and goes, Would either one of you like to come on the podcast to discuss this? Nice. And I was like, Wait, what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I, I used to tell the example like Imagine you're, to- you're a high school quarterback and Tom Brady wants to chat with you for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's how it was for me because he's someone I have deepest respect for on so many levels. Yeah. You know? And so, like, one thing leads to the next thing. And then because Joel was a member of the unslaved platform, he watched our interviews and got a lot out of it. And then he hit me up on Instagram and and I was like, who's this dude who's like a conscious hip-hop artist into divination work and, and, and part of the Sydney Freedom community? I'm like, he seems cool. And then we had a back and forth conversation, not for a very long period of time, you know, like maybe for a week or two on Instagram. And then we got on Zoom, met each other. And a week later, later we got on Zoom and we pressed record. And that was our first episode. Yeah. So it's like, and I, I credit Joel for so much, man. I mean, because I couldn't do this on my own, like. You know, I'm too scattered. There's other things that I have going on. I got a lot of shit going on. Um, And Joel, like, we just compliment each other and support each other well. And it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, and it just happened. Here we are now, three and a half years later.
0: Mm -hmm. So imperfect action.
1: And unless you claim it for yourself, no one is going to just tap you on the shoulder and say, no, you are ready, Paul, to create your business to to guide people in the ways that they need to be guided like you have to believe in yourself you have to have the self-esteem and say fuck it like i said in the podcast i'm gonna throw my hat in the ring and see what Mm -hmm. happens
0: yeah you know yeah it's awesome it's it's so nice to hear that you guys are doing it exactly the way without all the the shiny bells and whistles, because not everyone portrays it as honestly as you guys do. I think. I think a lot of people they, they either leave that part in the shadows, or they don't say it at all when it is brought up. But that's part of your whole platform is like asking people the question. I ask you, what is your hero's journey, rites of passage? You know, it's not just like what do you you show up, what do you you know, what is your your product or whatever. Like the episode y'all did with Paul Check, I was like, wow, man. Like I don't know, I haven't listened to too much of his stuff, but I bet he went deeper into his own life. Than he had on 99% of the other things. Like people learned about him more than ever.
1: Bro, we had th- I think three people reach out to us and said I've listened to every Paul Check interview, and I've never heard him talk about some of that stuff.
0: Exactly. I I could just feel it. I wasn't even like super into him and, at the time, and I could just tell that y'all were accessing part of the story that wasn't, and that's the part that y'all wear on your sleeve. Um, and so it's, it's important. They you talk about the self-esteem because let's talk about the wrath real quick. So you're, uh, the co host of now the seventh round currently of the rise of the herd, which I'm a part of and it ends this week. Um, yeah. and so I've just had so much value in that. Like for, I never paid for something so expensive. Uh, even though it's not that expensive, like now that I think no. it's not that expensive, it's, it's not, but I, but that's just part of like that, that journey, you know, like, we, uh, my wife and I were going to festivals a couple years ago when we got on board with being like the, the 2020 thing was happening. We're like, OK, all this is a scam. They're trying to kill us even faster than we could have imagined. And we started going to to festivals in Washington state where we were living, where it was like super locked down for like one hundred and fifty dollars in Bitcoin. We bought a ticket for 300 bucks total. We bought two tickets to this festival in the woods in Washington when it was like lockdown. So we went out there and we were like we hadn't we really weren't really like hip to the you know, like the underground truth or community, people were there and you, you could buy your coffee with nine millimeter ammo or with Monero. And it was just like, where are we, you know? And that's where I, I yeah. um, met. I would have loved to
1: have gone to, gone to that.
0: Oh yeah. There's, it's amazing. And there was a guy who came up. He's like, Hey, I need a, a tent. It's raining. Cause we're in Washington. I'm going to give a talk. I need to borrow like one of those pop-up tents for like uh-huh. a market. And we had one. I said, sure, here you go. And we went to his talk and it was Etienne who oh. does the, the government scam. Book. Oh, no so, way. Yeah. And so we were like, oh, my gosh. So he gave us a book for free. And his talk uh, made me cry because I was in the military and I had just convinced my brother to join the Navy. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, And so but that was when we first met him, because we lent him a tent at this festival that we were unsure about when we were all supposed to be locked down. We thought people were going to call the police because we were congregating in the middle of the woods. Um, And yeah, so all of that, you know, that was like the beginning. And so that was the first time I spent money on freedom basically on pure truth, right? Other than like going to college and all this shit. That's like tons of money. And then a little bit later, we started going to more festivals. And then, you know, my wife wanted to go to a $750 festival. That's matriarch rising, which is like huh? a free birth society thing. And it was absolutely incredible. Uh, um, is that in North Carolina or something? It is. Yes.
1: Yeah, but Melissa's spoken there twice. Melissa sell.
0: Okay. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, yeah. My wife was around a campfire with her this oh. last summer. And it's, it's amazing. They all start coming together. And then I signed up for a, a $600 course through Mark Passio called how to uh, create, I'm going to mess it up, but how to create the true media. And it's like part of what you were saying earlier, where it's like, look, he's a people tell Passio, Passio, you're the one that can, you can do so good with speaking the truth and, and production. Why do I need to do it? He's just like, because I can't reach everyone. Like we all have to do it. The, the mainstream media produces propaganda 24 seven in every language. So if we're trying to unslave humanity, we have to do the same. So get your camera and start producing. And then, um, and then, you know, my wife went back to Matriarch Rising and then your course came up. And as soon as I paid for it, I started to get value from it. And you hadn't even like, just because I read the landing page for the course, I read it like 50 times because I was like, what am I doing? And so I read it so many times and I started listening more to the podcast. And I just, the the thing that kept hitting me was like self-esteem, 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 even though that's only like a quarter of the course, you know, or or less, it was like, that's the part that resonated with me. And so I started to have higher self-esteem before the course even started just because I had paid to have it Mm -hmm. basically. And it was so, uh, it was so powerful. And then of course, you know, we've been doing the course for like two months now and it's been, it's been great. Like I, I highly recommend it. To,
1: Dude, I I love hearing that, man. And yeah. like investing your in yourself is a
0: self esteem building mm-hmm. act. You it is what I mean? Like, and I had I wouldn't have been able to guess that. I wouldn't have been able to guess that just spending the money helped me. Um, and it really is unbelievable. And now we see. I'm like, oh my god, what a bargain! Like Stephen was putting like the course, the course that the the wrath is just like so affordable. And now I'm like, oh my god, that's so true. And so, um, now we're like, wow. Now I understand how how people can really invest in themselves. I don't know why it took me so long.
1: Well, yeah, but it's also just like me too, man. I I was a self-educator, you know. I was like, "Oh, I read books or I maybe I have like you know, I'm, I'm I'm going to like a workshop or but like to work with a coach, it wasn't really like my thing really, but I did it and I spent a lot of money to work with someone one-on-one for 3 months. And the one thing that I got out of it changed my life. So it's like, you got to find that gold nugget. It might not be everything, but there's something that happens when you decide, when you make a decision for your betterment, this is when those unseen forces come to Mm -hmm. your benefit, you know, in life, the right people start, start um, coming into your path, opportunities present themselves. And this is when I'm obviously a student and teacher of human design is that then you have the opportunity by knowing yourself how can you make a decision that's correct for you you know do you honor your gut you know do you honor your emotional process Do you honor that instinct of like this is healthy for me you know and that's up to the individual or do you uh, fuck like convince yourself i shouldn't be doing this oh the money all this and that and then another mm-hmm. opportunity passes you by Yep. And like sometimes you just have to roll the dice
0: mm-hmm. and see what
1: happens. But yeah, man, I love that you said that. I think our course is a bargain. Like I know the coaching world, I've been around it, I know people. There are people who fucking it's like ten thousand dollars to do a fucking program. Yeah. You know? And like like we wanted to make our, our program affordable to people yeah. as well.
0: No, and it's true. And and you know, whether in the future you guys are able to bring more monetary value to yourselves through it or whatever. Now I, I'm I'm really grateful and I think the people that that have been able to step in are probably obviously very grateful. And it has been really helpful. Like that workshop story, like that you told a few months ago that you just shared with us today, like that got me to start designing my own workshop. Right. And so like, it's, things have been so helpful. Like I can't, ima- I mean, this is today, this is like me being vulnerable earlier today. I went for a run We're staying at the beach at South Potter Island. And I went for a run and I'm walking back to our condo and there's this big construction project going on. And there's all these like men, working on this building right there on the side of the road and it's so funny i was running on the beach without my shirt on and i'm pretty fit but i'm not jacked like let's be honest okay i got work to do right um and i i noticed all these like people working on this building in public and or they're like hanging out in the trucks and shit and i'm like walking back all sweaty and i'm like my instinct was to put my shirt on okay (laughs) um and I was triggered because of all the content in the course and because I paid to have higher self-esteem. I'm like, so I'm walking back, I'm getting closer to the crowd. People are just kind of loitering around, smoking cigarettes, looking. I'm like, okay, I'm self-conscious because of some reason. Nobody gives a shit about what I look like, but I feel like I could be fitter. And so I'm embarrassed or something. Uh And I was like, fuck that. And so I just stood up straight and I was like, this is an act of self-esteem before I feel like I have this self-esteem, right? I'm going to c- close the gap. And uh, anyway, it was so amazing. I mean, that happened like an hour ago, you know? And that moment before being approached and faced with the hard questions from y'all's course, I would have just instinctually been like, well, I feel uncomfortable. I'm putting my shirt on, so what? Like, whatever. And not that these guys were like, Jack, I'm not at Gold's Gym or whatever. It's like, just, I don't even know what it is. You know, it's just part of culture and self-esteem. And, um, but that moment, like I came back into the house, like grinning. Because yeah, I, I created higher self-esteem by acting like I had it. Um, and that's all, you know, that's one of the things, thanks to your course. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, I'm happy. And I and you hit the nail on the head with something. Is like, how often do people
1: take the time to reflect on why they do the things that they do? You know, why are your actions your actions? Why are your thoughts your thoughts? Why are your emotions mm-hmm. your emotions? As opposed to just, going through the motions unconsciously just living life and experiencing life and i think you know that's definitely part of the the course is like asking you to look inwards and to be curious and to see the ways that you know you've not honored yourself as an individual um and how can you start the process of honoring yourself more and more and honoring all of you like being curious you know why you feel the way you feel and and you know, I love this shit, man. I love what it means to be a human. I'm so, I'm. it's a never ending process. Like, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better business partner? How can I be better to myself? Like, I'm in like the worst shape of my life. You know, like I was an athlete. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I you know, worked out, exercised. And like, I've been a little stagnant. There's other things happening in my life. And, you know, I'm 43 years old now. And I'm like, oh shit. Like, I couldn't just rely on some natural, because I was an athlete, because I did these things. I'm like, shit, I don't feel the same way. Mm -hmm. that i used to so like i'm having to come to grips with like certain realities and you know i started doing brazilian jiu-jitsu three months ago and that's been cool and now because i'm doing that i'm realizing oh i need to take care of my body in a different way so i can be in the best position to perform how i want to perform Mm -hmm. so man life is an experiment yeah you know no one has it all figured out no one has every single box checked off and is like now i'm enlightened now I'm awake, now mm-hmm. I'm 100% successful in every single part of my life. I know right. people that have monetary success that are in sh- the shittiest relationships. Yep. You know, For sure. I know people that are in loving relationships and they have no fucking clue what they want to do with their life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's based on you. You yeah. are one of one. You look in the mirror and if you're honest with yourself, you can assess, okay, these are the areas of my life that I'm content with. These are the areas of my life that I need to make a change
0: mm-hmm. and no one's going to do it for you. No. And people can't see the areas that you really can see for yourself. Cause I could ask my family, my brothers, what do you think my problem is? And they'd be like, Oh, sh- glad you asked. And they would tell me, but then I'd be like, no, I don't actually want to work on that shit. Like I got, and, you know, so we, we have the, the the knowledge only we can really see what our next step is if you can face it, you know? And that's why it's so helpful. I think this human design thing. You know, I didn't. I don't know how. I wasn't living under a rock, but I never heard of human design until I became part of y'all's program. Um, so I got two questions. Why it, am I alone and not knowing about human design? No, and no. also, okay, no, it's it doesn't. You're not alone, dude. There are a lot of people that
1: come to yeah. the rest of the herd that have never heard about it, or if they did, they don't really know anything about it. Um, it really hasn't. When I first was exposed to it 10, 11 years ago. Um, and then I would bring it up to people. People had no fucking clue what I was talking about. Right. I would say as Instagram has gotten more popular and there've been a few accounts that have helped like popularize it, Mm -hmm. more people have become aware of it. Like, um, but I would say in the last five years, more people are a little bit aware of it. Even like other systems I'm into, like based on playing cards and like, five, like 10 years ago, no one knew about that. Now wow. I bring it up like, oh yeah, I'm ai am a four of hearts, you know, like whatever. Mm. Anyways, people wow. just going be wondering what the fuck I'm talking about. But um, go to thesourcecards.com to find out. It's my friend Alexander Dumlot's web- website. But yes, as for human design, no man, you're not.
0: Okay, I'm like
1: the rare person living under it, a rock.
0: It is um, fascinating, because um, now I see it everywhere, outside of your communities. Like mm-hmm. I see human design all over the place. I'm like, oh my God, it was just not on my radar. Um, But I have found it so valuable. Would you mind, uh, I know you could probably go on for like 100 hours, but would you mind giving like a a summary about human design and your kind of relationship with it?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, You know, human design is a system of self-knowledge. You know, it's known as the science of differentiation. It's really understanding that, you know, you're one of one, you're a unique human being. Um, And it's a system that uses your birth information to highlight certain elements of you. Uh, It's a system that really allows you to like know, honor, love and accept yourself. Uh, there's certain elements of it that i really like um, that separate it from maybe other more esoteric systems of numerology astrology etc and it's strategy and authority it's a big piece of human design and strategy is depending on the type that you are and you're either one of five types or four types if you combine manifesting generators and generators together Um, and your strategy is your unique way of of interacting uh with the world you know not everyone's meant to do things in the same way manifestors are here to inform generators and manifesting generators are here to respond reflectors are here to wait for a lunar cycle projectors are here to uh wait for the invitation and then authority is your unique decision making process i highlighted it before you know the the most popular one or the most uh the, the least rare is the emotional authority it's about 50 percent of the population and what that means is 50 percent of the population exists on a a certain type of emotional wave. And they're not here to have truth in the now, in the moment. They're here to allow themselves to go through their emotional wave and and get data, take in the data of themselves as they're on this wave and then get to a place of emotional clarity and make a decision from a place of emotional clarity. Maybe it's not 100%. Probably not. Maybe it's 80%, 90%. Now, there are those that are sacral generators or sacral manifesting generators. They have the pure sacral response. It's what makes people a generator and a manifesting generator. It's about honoring that, that, that gut, that uh-uh, that uh-huh. You know, oh yeah, I'm drawn to this. My body's drawing me to this. Oh, my body is like pushing away from that. And they have more truth in the now. Now, this is where things can get a little tricky, is that even though you're a sacral generator, a manifesting generator, if you're around people that are emotional, you can be influenced and take in their emotional wave and amplify it. So my rule to everyone is if you're having an emotional reaction in the moment, that ain't truth. Hmm. You know, and this is the world we're living in where we just see emotional reactivity interacting and engaging with emotional reactivity and chaos and people thinking that their emotional reactions and their outbursts in the moment reflect truth. Hmm. And that's just not the case. You know, and it's like, it's, it's information for you to take in, but ideally, if you have a sacral authority, you're in your own zone, like you're tuning in, like you're not highly emotional and you're just like, "Uh uh-huh, this is what, this is the path I need to take. This is the decision I need to make. But human design is also known as a deconditioning system, is that we come into this world and we're conditioned by family, by society, by culture, by our environment. And so when we get this information, what do we do with it? You know, how do we continue to move forward on this experiment called life and dissolve away the things that don't belong to us and stand more in our truth of who we are? And human design is one system that allows you to do that, that I think is very beneficial. It transformed my life. When I found that I was a generator and that my strategy was to respond, I started forcing less. I started yeah. doing the shoulds. Oh, I should do this. Or other people tell me, you know, you should do this. You should operate your business this way and you should do this and you should do that. And I just kind of was like, mm, no, I'm gonna do what I feel is right. And when I realized I was an emotional authority, I realized that when I was feeling down, it wasn't like I had to fully identify with that and be like, oh no, I gotta blow up my life. I need to leave this relationship. I need to leave this job. Like, <laughs> Like everything's crumbling. I just had this voice in me, like, was like, ah, you're on a wave. Just chill. Let's let it out. See what happens. That changed. Like, that changed how I made decisions. You know, that changed how I interact with my wife, Sophie. You know, I mean, we both knew about human design when we started dating. So that was a a tool that we used to understand each other and um, communicate more clearly and also get one another more. So I know I'm kind of going on a bunch of different tangents here, but it's it's, it's, um, you don't just get this information and go, okay, now I got it. It's up right. to you to experiment. Oh, strategy and authority. Hmm, this guy osmos told me I'm a sacral authority. Uh, let me see what that's about, you know? Yep. I mean, maybe, you know, a lot of times people confuse their intuition or a trauma response is confused for their intuition. That's what I'm trying to say. And mm-hmm. so that's a whole other level of work, you know, obviously – Nervous system work and body work and trauma is one of the elements that I've been trained and educated in. And so do you have the capacity to deal with discomfort? Do you have the capacity to navigate the emotions in your life? You know, a lot of people who don't, who are much more dysregulated, they're more likely to be reacting from these emotional places as opposed to giving themselves some time to make a decision. Right, You know what I mean? So it's like, it's not just one thing. Mm -hmm. Sure, human design can provide a lot of value. But you have to understand if, hey, man, there's some other work and there's some foundational nervous system that I need to do
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that may support me to honor
0: my strategy and authority more uh, competently. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And that's what I've found so valuable about it, learning about it in the last few months is because it's like, like you said, you can't confuse your emotions with your intuition. And that's what, like you're saying, we have that in society right now. It's like a wildfire. It's like a plague. That's like the real pandemic is of just like emotional reactions um, being so contagious that they just sweep entire people through the phones or, or whatever. And um, if you can't take that moment, to learn about, to, to try to find what the real meaning is behind your emotions, why they're happening and, why you're, inter- and like why you're feeling them the way you are, you're just gonna live life totally misguided. And that's where the sobriety thing comes in too, which is crazy, it's because like, if you're intoxicating yourself throughout the day with everything from like coffee to weed to booze to harder things, um, you are just taking away from your intuition. And I, I hadn't considered that, like, obviously, like I considered like drinking and smoking weed too much is is blocking out feelings that you can ignore, mm-hmm. that you should be facing. That seems obvious. But I, I hadn't taken it to this level to where it's like, I literally can't hear my intuition and allow myself to understand what my emotions are trying to tell me, because I don't want to feel my emotions because they make me uncomfortable. So I'll just drink mm-hmm. or drink whatever, drink coffee, drink, uh drink alcohol. Um and so the human design stuff that I've learned has really helped me as well, because it's like, damn, I can't live a certain way if I am to honor understanding my intuition as a priority of my my life, you know, uh, because I do trust my authority and I do trust my intuition, but I am only barely starting to practice being able to truly listen. You know, it's like for all these years, if I was like under a lot of stress or like you said, like people watch too much porn or any porn or like smoking too much, your intuition is like coming through a filter. And so you Mm -hmm. can feel it, but it's not, you're not hearing it right. It's like on auto-tune or whatever. Um, Yeah,
1: man, especially as an emotional authority for me is like, I want to feel the totality of my emotions, you know, because that's part of my intuition is emotional clarity. You know, mm -hmm. that's like, like, you know, some like, yes, you have the splenic center, which is more focused on intuition, but some will say that your unique. Your personal authority is your unique intuition, you know? Because in human design, the mind, while it's extremely important, it's there to learn, teach, compartmentalize, analyze pros and cons. It's not the ultimate arbiter for your decisions, which some people will be like, what do you mean? Now, that being said, our minds are there. Our minds are working. So when we understand this knowledge, like we understand it through our mind, do you know what I mean? We understand Mm -hmm. it through our mind. but. There's something that's happening on this somatic intuitive level that's guiding us. You know, like we may not know why. Like if you have a splenic authority, it is like the quickest, the most subtle decision making process. It's the thing you share with animals. It's um, that fight or flight. And so you can walk into a restaurant and then get a hit and be like, no, I'm not eating here. And then you walk out. And you don't know why. Maybe you were going to go eat some, like, you know, shitty beef or something and something in you knew, you know, or maybe 10 minutes later, someone was going to come in with a fucking gun and shoot up the place. You know, like it's honoring, honoring that. Now, that's for someone with a splenic authority. They have to really honor that thing in the moment. And -hmm. I can't tell you how many readings that I've had with clients where I let them know about their authority, whether it's sacral or splenic. And I say, was there a time in your life where you had this hit and that you went against it. And most of the time I get the answer of, you know what? I was uh, on my first date with my husband or my wife uh, and they were like 10 feet away from the table coming to sit down and something in me went, "Uh uh, but then they sit down and we had some drinks and we realized we'd like the same music and the same, and this, the same, you know, things, blah, blah, blah. And then we get married and, you know, and then I realize they're a narcissist or uh, whatever. Now, that being said, that's part of the person's path. So I'm not knocking it because at the end of the day, we're going to suffer as human beings to some degree. It's not all roses and lollipops and unicorns and fucking butterflies. Okay. But if you can have knowledge or a technology to support you, to maybe suffer 5% less or 10% less or 50% less Mm -hmm. because of the decisions that you make that are more correct for you. Why not? Right. You know what I mean? Because yes, every decision, every experience is part of our process, but like, you know, maybe you didn't have to deal with that relationship. Mm -hmm. If you honored yourself, if you knew yourself better, you know what I mean? Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. And it's like, and you can suffer intentionally. It's like, okay, we have to, we, um, I'm not going to just hit the same wall over and over as I'm ignoring, but at least I can like, identify, okay, what path of suffering would I like to take? I'm going to choose the one that's going to help me level up, not just the one that's going to maintain. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been really valuable. What, what advice would you say to people that would be like overwhelmed? Like say people aren't too familiar with honoring their, you know, their emotions and their intuition and their mind, and they're just used to people pleasing or pushing things away with intoxicants or the internet. And people let's say if someone's overwhelmed with all the ways you can like heal your yourself where do where does somebody I start you, I
1: think you have to start somewhere, you know like like I think for me, my entry point was yes, like the psychological work, the psycho spiritual work, I guess you can call it like like the acting work, being curious about like who I was, but I think a great place for people to start is to start making changes with how they nourish themselves. You know, like, you know, maybe like drink 10% less, you know, for some people going cold turkey is the way to go. You know, I don't always recommend, like, if you've been drinking coffee two, three times a day for like 10 years, like you might not want, I mean, you might not want to go cold turkey. Then maybe you need to uh, wean off of it. So uh, let's say you want to experience life, what life is like without drinking coffee. Like, you know, Wean off of it, start you know having like the first day, 90 percent coffee, 10 percent coffee substitute. day two, 80 percent coffee, two percent coffee substitute or sorry, 20 percent coffee, and kind of work your way down, and then maybe get off coffee and see what your energy levels are like, see what your emotional, emotional levels are like. Because part of the thing is you have to know the reality and the truth of your situation in order to know what you need to do next. And so if you're numbing yourself, Like you have to do what you need to do to take away some of the numbing. Mm -hmm. So then you can feel whatever pain or discomfort is underneath because pain is the greatest motivator for change. Yes. If you're not feeling the pain, you're just a hamster on the wheel doing the same thing over and over again. You have to fucking rip off the band-aid to some degree. Mm -hmm. You know, and so my first step would be like, take a look at what you're putting in your body. Can you change that? Mm -hmm. And once you change that, does your view of yourself change? Because a lot of times it's not even the, f- the changing of the diet. It's the type of person that is someone who is cha- makes the choice to right. change their diet. Yep. That's what impacts their health and impacts their sense of self. You know what I mean?
0: Yep. Yeah, for sure. That's like what I was saying with the course. As soon as I became the type of person who made investments into myself, I automatically my value raised yeah Um, it's so crazy that like i mean it's just so interesting to be like these things like coffee and alcohol and television and social media and pornography are so normal for so many people that's part of like the day for many people you know or at least the week and so you know this idea that all of those things are just bullshit suppressants pain suppressants that we feed ourselves with for our entire waking time and even while we're sleeping because your buzz lasts while you go to bed drunk or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's just crazy and then that's how so many people are living in mass is just all masking their uh their emotions their truth, and
1: man, their truth their emotions their truth. What's, what's real right. uh, and that's another good thing to do is like start taking something away you know as well like yeah sure you can nourish yourself but like maybe maybe see if you can notice what's happening in your body, the moment before you want to reach for the thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is the self-medication. Right. You know, whether you're scrolling on your phone too much. Like, I have issues with scrolling on my phone. Like, I think a lot of us are, you know, I maybe not scrolling, but just using my phone. Like, sure, I don't do too much mindless scrolling, but I'm on it. I'm like checking up, uh, here for the truth, uh, my page, uh, post, like what the fuck. You know, sometimes I just want to be like, I'm done with it. Yeah. You know, but porn was a like, I, I grappled with porn addiction. You know, I, I, I was exposed to porn like fucking like first time, maybe 11, 12, 13 years old, you know? Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Not very healthy, you know? And it's not uncommon and, either. No, not uncommon. And, and even worse now, you know, you have like seven, eight year olds seeing it online, you know? Um, yeah. And that's a whole nother conversation that like breaks my heart is that you have, you have young kids mm-hmm. who are being exposed to the most hardcore levels of porn and that like something that would be normal, like their first girlfriend, like holding their hand or going up their shirt, going up your first girlfriend's shirt and getting hard on like and becoming turned on like they don't. They're just impotent because they're used to fucking Ugh. watching hardcore porn, you know, Oh my gosh, because they, they can't. It's as an, yeah. it, and it's, it's disturbing, you know. Yeah. It's um, anyways. Um, but yeah, like that's something I grappled with in my twenties, like, cause it's, it's normalized. It's the cool thing to do. You're in college. You're like, you know, back when I went to college, you're like trading VHSs with your friends and you're like, what the fuck? And that Mm -hmm. that influences how you view women that influences like your dopamine pathways and how you experience pleasure. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been a, it's been a challenge for me, you know, like it's probably been my main challenge. I didn't have, I didn't have issues with alcohol, drugs and food. That's not really been my thing, you know? Mm. So we all have our thing. Yeah. What's your thing that you need to kind of get a handle on? And, mm-hmm. and can you create some separation? Like, hey, before you're about to sit down at your fucking computer and, you know, mm-hmm. s- start going to work and putting on some porn, you know, like, what are you feeling? Can you yep. sit with it? Can you notice what's happening somatically? Can you feel the discomfort? Can you be with the discomfort? Maybe it's angst. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's nervous energy, stress. Can you sit with it and see if that changes if you allow yourself to be with it? Right. You know, and this is great advice for all of it, for anything. Mm -hmm. Like, can you be with yourself? Yep. And this is where nervous system work comes in. It's like, can you build the capacity to hold space for whatever that thing is that's going to lead you towards doing the thing that you don't maybe ultimately want to be doing?
0: Yeah. That makes sense because it's not necessarily like people say, I have an addiction to alcohol. It's like, well, actually, you have an addiction to not feeling X, whatever yeah. that is that you. And so there's this there's this book that uh, my father-in-law gave me. It's called "I Don't Want to Talk About It" um, by Terry Real. He's like a, a, a relationship counselor guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of this book, but it was a really wow. powerful book. But basically, talks about intergenerational men's depression and trauma and stuff. And and like, it stops like one generation. Maybe I don't think it got into like the millennials and the and the Gen Z. But it'd be really interesting to continue the conversation of men's work for the generations because it's like crazy what's happening now. But, you know, the idea is like the he talks throughout the book. It's about him like um, interviewing people in therapy. And it's like, what are you addicted to? And some guys are like, well, I got to go make money. And I'm never around my kids because I'm always at the office. And some guys are like, I, you know, I smoke or I drink or I'm abusive or whatever. And it's like, okay, take that thing. Just like you said, take that thing what is the feeling that's driving you to it yeah. and address it? It's so funny. Like I, um, you're thinking about what, you know, we all have our own different thing for a while. I, uh, I definitely was partied for a long time and I had an alcohol pro. Like, I don't know if it was a problem, but I, I spent a lot of time and money at bars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but one of the things really, when my wife and I, I think it was after we got married, even I, I asked her when I was reading that book, I was like, what would you say my thing is as my wife? And she was like, you can't sit still. Uh, You like are compulsively traveling. I'm like always quitting jobs. If we're at the house, I'm like, let's go to the brewery. Let's go to the restaurant. Let's go to the library. Let's go. Let's go for a walk. Let's go. Let's take the dog out. I want to wash the car. There's like nonstop, you know, and and that was how I met her because I met her traveling through Peru backpacking and she was on a study abroad. And then when we started dating, we had so many travel experiences. We're traveling right now. We're going to go like to Mexico in a couple of weeks. Like there's that's part of like what? attracted her to me, but it is, there's a, there's a spectrum. And it's like, so even if we're at the Airbnb, like I have to like go out to not necessarily to a board, but to do something. And, um, I've been able to get better. And so she was like, what, what is that all about? Like, you just can't sit still. And I thought, Hmm. And so we did the exercise where it was like, okay, let's say I'm starting to feel like I want to go out. I want to buy a plane ticket. I want to go for a walk or whatever, but I've already been on a walk and I already have flights scheduled. You know, it's like too much, And so we sat with it and I, um, I felt like, uh, like I was handcuffed Mm -hmm. and I felt like somebody was like, you know, in jujitsu and like somebody that outweighs you was laying on you. And you're like, (gasps) Mm -hmm. um, that's how it felt. I'm just like trapped. And I'm like, and I can't move. It's like being chained to your chair, you know? And, uh, and so then it was like, we went one level deep. It's like, well, what, because in the book I want to talk about it, it talks about your parents because it's all about the intergenerational thing your parents are passing on the unsettled feeling that they have always had and so you have to end it and so if I want my kids to not feel this anxiety like they're chained um that they're trying to break free of shackles I have to face it you know and then of course we could get into like oh my gosh you know our parent my, both of my parents felt chained to some ideology or person in their own way and so I'm just reflecting out their I'm just living out the the way that my parents felt changed, you know. Um, and it took me like a long time before I ever even looked at these things in my life because I was running on autopilot. Yeah, that's at the bars thing. and stuff forever. It's just unbelievable. Yeah.
1: And that's it, man. It's like, can you recognize you're on autopilot and can you recognize what it is that you need to do to change? To move closer towards who you want to be in mm-hmm. the life that you want. You know, there mm-hmm. has to be some type of interruption mm-hmm. to the automatic conditioned responses and mm-hmm. behavior. And you as an individual, not just you, anyone listening have to determine that. And but mm-hmm. this is where value systems come into play. Like, what do you really value? Mm hmm. You know, like, a lot of people mm-hmm. will say they value the things that they don't really value because their right. day-to-day actions don't showcase that. Like, right. most people value this. But if you right. ask them, they're not going to say, I value my iPhone and Instagram and Facebook. Right. They're going to be like, oh, I value long walks on the beach and healthy food and healthy living and-, right. and, my family, you know? Like, really? You're spending more time on your phone than fucking talking to your family. hmm So, like, radical self-honesty has
0: mm-hmm. to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny, and that radical self honesty brings in pain and the pain brings the change, which is funny because we talked about this a little bit too, but that's what like the opposite of the new age movement tries to be. It's like move away from the pain and breathe your life. But instead, what we're talking about kind of is like you no know, feel the pain and cause the change. Don't escape it with some other form of of you know escapism. You yeah. feel it. Does that you guys are you have a little bit of land? And you're growing food and working on cultivating your own, like, homestead type thing, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. We, we call it bougie homesteading, you know, like, nice. we didn't, like, really yeah. completely off the grid, you know, like... That's fair. We, we live within, like, you know, we're still in Los Angeles County, but we're in Topanga Canyon, and Topanga Canyon's, like, its own little world, and we're, we're in the hills and the mountains, mm-hmm. and surrounded by nature. But, yeah, like... um yeah, we've planted like, I don't know, maybe 50 fruit trees. We still have more fruit wow. trees. And like, I'm about to, we got some coming in January, some bare root trees that I want to plant. And um wow. learning more about permaculture. Um, we have this woman, Manju, who's known as the zero waste farmer on Instagram. And she hmm. uh, lives about an hour and a half south of us. And she's had like a food forest, an urban food forest for like 15 years. And so, you know, we kind of consult with her and she helps us out with some information. Uh, right now, our biggest challenge is are, uh, we have crazy amounts of ground squirrels and gophers. Um, oh, no. And ground squirrels literally ate every single stone fruit. Like, as oh, they got geez. ripe, they just ate everything. So we're about to get feral cats on the property to see if that helps. Like, <sighs> wow. a lot of learning, you know. I have to say, there's a part of me that loves it. But then there's a part of me that's like, man, I don't even have the time to just sit down and, and read a book like I want to. because we have way more responsibilities around the house. And then combine that with the work that I'm doing with Joel. And then the other stuff in my life, like, man, it's like, life is different, but Mm -hmm. we're surrounded by nature. It's beautiful. Um, We love it, you know, but there's times where I'm like, fuck, I miss, I miss having like living in a little condo apartment with no outdoor space. And like, I don't have to even think about this shit.
0: For sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenge. We just uh, sold a place that was four acres with, uh, we put in some gardens and the chickens and stuff. It was ended up being like a never ending uh, fixer upper, which we found. So we had to get out of it before it buried us. So we got our money out. So we're going to go back into some land to continue to go back into it. Cause we find it a priority as well, to be able to understand how to cultivate our own food and that connection with nature, even if you have to force it, you know, cause it's like, man, I don't want to go out to do the chickens some days. Like I just was so over it, but I have to, you know, it's like you, you got to, you can't let the chickens just squash the eggs. Like you you have to go The stuff will die, you know. Um, But what was it for y'all that tipped the scale to do uh, to start cultivating the land to grow your own food and stuff?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, uh, we had been thinking for a few years prior to 2020, like, where's our home? You know, where's our space? Like, we wanted more land. We Like, we had wanted more land. We wanted to be around nature. And not to get into the whole story. But uh, once 2020 hit... Um, you know, we were in Santa Monica, Venice area, and, you know, it was hardcore here in L.A., and, you know, people were, like, yelling at me for not wearing a mask, or I'm walking on the sidewalk without a mask, and they're, like, jumping into the middle of the road to, to get away from me. You know? <laughs> yeah. And Sophie knows me. Crazy. I'm, I have a pretty strong, like, I don't know, opinions on stuff, and I can be really passionate about stuff, so I was like, this is not my fucking daily reality. We're not, we're... Now's the time. Like we just felt something in us, like, again, honoring our authorities. Like we had the hit. Mm-hmm. We gave ourselves some time to feel through. We both emotional authorities. And it was like, now's the time. And so we were very blessed. We ended up finding a, a, a property in Topanga Canyon, which is about 35 minutes from our old place. Uh, right before like the everything went up like intensely from a financial, like uh, from a financial standpoint. Um because everyone was trying to leave the the cities and find places you know outside of cities when twenty twenty hit, so we got in you know we went to see our place may twenty twenty so this was like early mm. you know we, we had this impulse um and what we wanted we didn 't know we could find in um in the l a area because we yeah. wanted like a place to put a chicken coop we wanted like a separate but... building to To um, see clients in because we were still seeing more clients in person. There were other things we wanted. And then we found this property that like kind of ticked all the boxes and and we we rolled the dice. And, you know, the best part about it was we had wanted to start building community too. So once we moved to our new home and had this space and knowing how things were going in the world, we started having gatherings, you know, we called them freedom gatherings uh, like 2021 when, you know, things were still intense around mm-hmm. like, vaccines, around this, around the other. And we built this community, we were having monthly gatherings, and we were having like 50 to 100 people show up. And, and it was kind of wild, because there were a lot of people who were ostracized from their families and their social groups. Like for me, my wife and I were on the same page, you know, we've kind yeah. of been into this world, I've, I have my conspiracy homies, and I've been going down these rabbit holes. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like this big deal. Um, yes, we couldn't travel the way we wanted to, but there were people that were, that were coming either through us or through friends of friends to our, our gathering and they'd show up and they like almost start bawling. They're like, there are other people that think like me. Wow. Again, Los Angeles, generally speaking, was a certain vibe politically and the more people were going along with the narrative. Mm hmm. So to be here and to, like, create our world and our bubble and our, our community, it was really amazing, you know? And so we, we had three years, we were holding these gatherings, 2021, 2022, 2023. That's awesome, man. Um, From spring, from, like, early spring to, like, uh, fall. Hmm. And we just realized this past August, like, we're exhausted, you know? Like, it was a lot. It's a lot to, yeah. like, hope that many people. And uh, so we took a break. Anyways, so I don't know if I answered your question, but we, yeah, wanted you to connect, we wanted to connect more to nature, and we wanted more space, but a lot of times the fantasy is different than the reality.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, we moved here, and I can't say it was all great. Like, there's times where I'm, like, pipes bursting, oak trees falling, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yep. the, the chicken project is Sophie's thing. Like, she's been incredible with them, like starting with knowing nothing to like taking the courses to learning to getting our our chicks to like setting things up um you know that's kind of her thing uh i tend to deal a little bit more with the the day-to-day around like the orchard you know Mm -hmm. that we have we call it um but yeah man it's it's cool you talk about imperfect action that's
0: seriously been
1: a lot of that and you know a big piece of self-esteem is how do you navigate daily challenges of life?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: there are times where I go, you're awesome. Mouse. So you need to like man up, right? Stop fucking complaining and just handle it. Yeah. You know? So I see within myself where like my child psychology is still there, you know, mm-hmm. like right. the adult child versus like the adult that just goes like, all right, cool. I'm going to handle this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We were know? like, somebody come in here and fix this. I'm sick of yeah. dealing with it. Please.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. and like, sure, there's some things that maybe I'm an outsource, but there are other things like, you know what, like learn the irrigation, learn how to fix this. Oh, a rodent chewed the solenoid on your irrigation, like figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now go on YouTube, check out a video. And yep. when you do that, you talk about walking in your place after your run today with a grin. The yeah. first time that like, like one of our zones wasn't watering and I found out that a rodent got into the irrigation box and like chewed the wire. And I was just like. I immediately wanted to be like, oh, fuck, who can help me? You know, I asked my one buddy. Right. And he kind of gave me a little advice. And I went to the irrigation store. I got the piece. I put it on. I fixed it. I pressed the computer. And it fucking was working. And dude, when I tell you how, <laughs> I, I was like, <sighs> it was like one of the greatest feelings. Yeah. I know it sounds silly to someone listening, but it was one of the greatest feelings that I had. Like, I get it, the, man. It a yeah. world that I knew nothing about. Like,
0: right. Nothing. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: which is kind of cool, too, is that a lot of people see the world through their lens of what they're into. You know, like if you're into architecture, you're going to be walking around New York City and you're looking up at the building and, and, you know, all this stuff. I don't do that. That's not my thing. And before having this house, I never would walk around. Like, let's say we go to Santa Monica. Let's say we go anywhere else. I would never walk around and be like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh plants that they have there in irrigation. You know, Seriously.
0: like now yep. I look
1: at that shit. I'm like, oh, what kind of plant is
0: that? Is that a native? Right. You're like, wow, is that? that exactly? What kind of herb is that? What kind of chickens are those? What I wonder yeah. what color eggs they lay. <laughs> yeah. That's so, awesome, man. Um it is, it is an important world. It's something that was like ancient, you know. It's cool to to have a connection with things that used to be common knowledge for all our ancestors, you know? <laughs> like and plants. And livestock is just part of our ancestry, you know, like herbs and growing food and having to pay attention to water and sun. It is work, you know, like, man, it's work, but it it is important and it's a good example for others to see as well.
1: Uh. Well, and I think also too, like you want to get off your devices. Well, there you go. Like, Somebody
0: chewed through your irrigation wire, so like put you, your phone you
1: gotta down. Go, you can put your phone down. Like, there's oh no ad for that. Rainy season's coming up now here where we're at. Like there's yeah. some projects I need to get done. Like when we get off of this, mm-hmm. Sophie and I have to go to this one new area. We're gonna like lay down cardboard roll, put the irrigation story there over it, mulch the whole area. Like, yeah. th- th- like that needs to get done. Like huh. and and there are elements that I like. Like, a few weeks ago, we had all these mustard and all these weeds. Like, I I just needed to prep the area. Like, I had to pull these weeds. And so I was, like, for three hours, just, like, bending over, pulling weeds, you know? Mm -hmm. And I like it. Like, I'm being physical. I'm getting my hands dirty. I'm not on my devices. Where we live, Mm -hmm. it's quiet. I'm listening to the sounds of nature. I'm hearing insects. I'm hearing birds. I rarely ever hear cars go by, you know, on Mm -hmm. our little like road that we have. And that's nourishing. That's soothing. Yeah. You know, I have a new ritual I just started, which is interesting. And I have only done it a few times, but I realized where we live at night, it's so amazing and so quiet. And yet I don't spend much time out there, Mm -hmm. which blows my mind. And so I've started to, now we're starting to get a little colder in the evening, but I've started to start a fire. We have a fire pit. And like, actually, smoke the occasional cigar. Like I don't I never smoked and never doing that. I'm like, oh I get yeah. a cigar and I'm just gonna puff on it and right. be outside and be with my thoughts and and look at the fire and be with yeah. nature. And I can't tell you how satisfying that is.
0: Yeah. I mean it's like it's giving it a whole new intention, you know, like the what you just described could be called like smoking a cigar in your backyard, but it could be like in ceremony with tobacco yeah. in yeah. the land that you've cultivated you know and you might even know the guy that chopped the wood if you didn't chop it yourself. Like, So it's it is, it's really important. Well, we we yeah. had a 300-year-old oak. So
1: last year, the, we had rains in Los Angeles that were, I don't know, it's been 30, 40 years since they've mm. had these rains. And we have an easement road that goes on our property, okay? And underneath the easement road is a culvert that got backed up, I think. And so the first rainstorm we had last January... Dude, our whole this one back area on our property rose seven feet. Like we had oh my bees gosh, there. We had that's bees crazy. We teamed up with a local beekeeper that put bees on our property and like thirty beehives were just swept away. Swept away. Okay? And then we had another big storm, it flooded again. Like if you went back and looked, you'd think it was like this lagoon marsh, like I mean, it went there was some old horse corral fence back and that are probably six feet high, like dirt and mud got to the top of it.
0: It's like Florida stuff.
1: Well, it was wild. And after the second massive storm last February, I went down and then I turned to my right and about 20 feet wide, 15 feet deep, the easement road sunk. It just sunk. And so that had to be sorted out. And because I think of of like the flooding that happened, there was like a 300 year old oak that like a few months after this just fucking fell. Okay. It fell, and then a, a little a, the arm of it or a branch of it fell on this PVC pipe that was feeding this hose bib down there. And I hadn't gone down there for like a week, but the bee guy happened to be there and he texted me. He's like, yo, there's water gushing out.
0: Oh my God. I'm like,
1: oh my goodness. And so yeah. our next water bill was like a few thousand dollars higher because this water was gushing Whoa. out for like a week.
0: Yeah. So now, the reason Crazy. I bring up the
1: story is that we turn that Oak into firewood. Nice. So like, you know, yeah. it's like, it's nourishing us in a way. It like, is. Yeah. You are, you're in,
0: you're in ceremony with the land. You're in communion with the land. You're not just like driving by with your plastic Doritos in a park or something. It's like, yeah, it's beautiful. It's so important. Um. Yeah. I, I got a couple of questions for you before you go, but what, you, want. you know, thinking about the, uh, the homesteading, it, there's such a, like an op, an optimism to it. Cause it, it implies hope, you know, it's like this expression I heard. It's like, hope isn't just like sunshine on a face. Like hope is like dirty and bloody. Like hope is like, I'm we're going to make this work. It's not just waiting for the tide. It's like causing the tide to change, you know? Um, and that's what I feel about nowadays, even the bougie homesteading, anybody that's out there trying to cultivate a tomato in their garden or, you know, anything like that, learn more about herbal medicine. It, it's, I think it implies hope for the future. Um, but what about, what would you say to the people that have all the, the, the doom and gloom, the doomers, you know, you, you know, the expression looshing, like the people that mm. just want to like suck your energy out. It's like, you know. The war and the cabal and the next pandemic, they're going to just annihilate all of us and our children. How do you deal with that emotionally? And what do you say to these people?
1: Well, first of all, I tend to not, like, associate too much, like, with people like this. Because, like, again, your vibe attracts your tribe. Like, I'm not that way. So I'm not, like, like Misery Loves Company, where we're just sitting there talking about all the horrible things that are happening. I'm aware. I mean, when you're in this world of alternative research and conspiracy research, you know, you get exposed to some pretty dark stuff. Um, I think I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing. Uh, so it comes down to also like, you need to know yourself. Like if the information that you're consuming is overwhelming you and causing you to come to be in this pessimistic, like no hope place, so you need to make a change. Okay. Like, like yeah. stop doing it. Just stop. Okay. Now some people can consume it and it doesn't impact them the same way, but what also what's the point of focusing, focusing on things that are out of your control? Like, if someone wants – if, like, China wants to come into the U.S. and throw an atomic bomb, like, on us, like, which I'm not saying that's going to happen. But, like, I can't stop that. Right. Like, I, I – I, whatever. Like, I even would tell people here where I live, like, you know If tanks want to come up our road, like, to come get me, to force jab me, you know, in the future, like, I'll fucking deal with it when that happens. You know, but until then, yeah. like – there's like a two foot by two foot real estate that I'm standing on that I can fucking control me, my thoughts, yeah. mm-hmm. what I do, how I live my life. Can I improve myself as a as a person? You yeah. know, what, what are my values? Do I even know my values and how can I live by them? Who right. am I spending time with? How am I building community? Like, like, I don't care. Like, I, a part of me does not care that there are psychopaths on this planet. Trying to cause like world disaster and trying Mm -hmm. to pit everyone against each other. That's not my reality. Right. My reality is like having an awesome conversation with you right now about how we can be more awesome. Yeah. You know, my reality is having a beautiful wife, you know, an amazing business partner, creating things in the world that other people are drawn to. Mm -hmm. You know, I have an awesome dog that has no clue that there are psychopaths. (laughs) Trying to like destroy yeah, land that it lives on, right? You know, we can learn a lot by studying our fucking pets. True. Okay.
0: Yeah, we have a cat. You're right. We definitely can try to be more like more like Toby.
1: Yeah, man. And like, I'm like, I, it doesn't mean t- I'm also anyone who knows me and listens to me. I'm not an advocate of sticking your head in the sand and completely bypassing.
0: For sure. You know,
1: have an awareness, but. What are you going to do? You're going to stay in that mode of apathy, of nihilism, of there's no hope. We're all going to die.
0: They're going to
1: fucking take us away to camps. I mean, I had people I knew who they couldn't stop talking about that during the 2020, 2021 years. Like, take us to camps.
0: I know. I still got those people in my life, too. Some of them I'm related to, so it's hard.
1: Like, okay. Like, if someone were to try to take me to camp, like they're not going to it's either they're gonna die or i'm gonna die and then we'll yeah. see what happens in the next life right you know, like like i also have this belief like i'm not trying to say like i'm this badass hardcore dude but like there's a part of me that's not fuck around yeah like it's literally fuck around and find out like if you're gonna try to cause damage or hurt to me or my wife or my dog or my community like that ain't happening yeah like I've li- like, I like who I am. I like the life mm-hmm. that I lived up to now. If that means then that like in a year, like I get taken out, I get taken out. You know, yeah. I know I know the life I'm living. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cool with it. Now I don't want to, I want to live to be 120 years old and, and do awesome things. But if it really got to that point, like shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tough, tough times create strong men. You know, what's that? that moon, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's cool, yeah, it reminds me of Rage Against the Dying of the Light and all that. It's like, well, how, what are you leaving on the table, you know? It's like that they say, like, when you pass away, you, you know, if you believe it in an afterlife or even in the moment of death, the true suffering of, of afterlife is when you realize, you know, who you could have become versus who you were. And that's really what we should be dealing with, <laughs> not what they're really doing out there, but how much do I know I could be doing that I'm not doing? Yeah, man. That's I do not thing. want to be on my deathbed whenever that is. And just living in regret
1: mm-hmm. and living into the shoulds. And like, I could have done that. I could have mm-hmm. had that conversation. I can't believe I didn't reconcile that. Or I can't believe I didn't have that life experience. It doesn't yeah. mean you're going to do everything. Like you have, you can't live in fantasy either. Like there are some things in my life, like, you know, I can't do in the moment all the time because I have, a, have other responsibilities and I have things I For have sure. to do, you know? So like there has to be some, you have, have some rationality
0: yeah absolutely you
1: you know like so i don't think it's about like you'll get everything you want at all points of the day no matter what like Mm
0: -hmm.
1: just get clear on who you are and what you value and what you want to create in the world and
0: yeah
1: and live and do that yeah and if it changes two years later then it changes like you have to honor that process too Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and it's hard enough to, to be on that journey. There's not much time for other bullshit or other people's stuff. It's hard enough to try to live the authentic path, you know. It's a full-time job, to say the least, trying it, to uncover true, our own personal realities. And...
1: Yeah, and, and this is yeah. another way people distract themselves is, like, being extra social. Mm. Like, are you happy with your life? You're not? Okay, well, then stop fucking hanging out and drinking and doing all this shit and wasting your time. Mm-hmm. Like, go underground. You know, deal with your shit. some of the greatest people to some of the most successful people, you know, they were like, they didn't have time for that shit. Right. You know, so makes sense. You listen to listen to someone like Gary Vee, you know, like he was hustling, you know, while his friends were like, yeah, we're drinking the champagne, we're partying like he was fucking working for his dad. He was Mm -hmm. turning around his dad's business. And then, you know, one thing led to the next thing, led to the next thing, the next thing. So, again, what do you value? Mm-hmm. Do you value freedom. Do you va- value financial independence? Do you value like creativity and production, or do you value just hanging out with your homies, playing video games, you know, distracting your life away? And then twenty years go by, and you wonder why like things aren't the way they are. Yep. You know.
0: Hmm.
1: But this is why you have to take a look at your social group. You know. Yep. Like if if you want to change, like a lot of times you got to change the people you're spending your time with.
0: For sure, because there it's such a trigger to be around your people, to be around people that that have cultivated the life that you no longer want. That's why it's so amazing to get back to the class, you know. And there's so many communities out there, and like memberships and the containers, like the one y'all built. It's like, man, I'm just like these are my peers, you know. It's like even if I'm only around them a couple months, once a day, once a week for a couple months, it's like these are my peers, and you can have. It's a, yeah, it's, dude. The, the tide, the the rising tide lifts all ships. Um, yeah. Well so said, he, man. Well yeah. said. And
1: like, find your community. If you find it mm-hmm. in person, great. If not, they're online communities, you know, be around people that inspire you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I love For everyone. Sure. I get like everyone in Rise Up of The Herd inspires me, you know, like mm-hmm. in different ways. And it's so cool to see people that are on similar yet also different paths but are aligned with certain values and like Mm -hmm. to see everyone champion one another. Like most of the world is people pulling each other down. Seriously. Crabs in the bucket. Yeah. The crabs, like pull them in the cab bucket. How dare you try to better yourself? How Mm -hmm. dare you stop drinking? How dare you start eating healthy? How dare you? Because every act that you, that you do to better yourself on an unconscious level triggers in someone this question of like, well, if what they're doing is right, what does that say about me? Now they're Mm -hmm. not answering that question. They just go usually into judgment or attack, Mm -hmm. you know, but you're reflecting back to them, maybe decisions that they're not making in their life. Yeah.
0: You know what? Rise anyway. That's not my problem anymore. No. Your feelings do not come above my values anymore. That's what I've been trying to tell myself.
1: Do do you think I care that there are people out there that don't like probably some of the things that I've posted over the years? Yeah. Like, I have a dope life. I have a great community. Our podcast is changing lives. You think I care about the fucking person from high school or some random troll that is talking shit?
0: Yeah,
1: like it's laughable
0: mm-hmm. to
1: think that I would care. Like that that person would think that I would mm-hmm. care. Right. You know? But again, that's self esteem.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like do you live your life, find your crew? You know, man. Like, I, I don't know, man. I I just. Yeah. <sighs> I appreciate it. I appreciate you, bro. I mean. Um... I, I'm so grateful to to have this dialogue with you. I love what you're doing. I love what you're, yeah, man. I just, I'm psyched that you found our world. I'm psyched that you committed to yourself. Like it's.
0: Yeah. We got, it's a lot, I got you. Yeah. Thank you. I got a lot of work to do. And so I'm I'm excited to have a community of people backing me up to help me do it. And uh, I'm stoked. Do you, Uh, last thing I'll ask you is, do you have any like one or two books that you would recommend are like must reads for people or ones in your life, you know, that really impacted you, man, this is like
1: always a hard question because I, I feel like I haven't read a lot in the last however many mm-hmm. years, you know, I've had some yeah. books, but those, those few periods where I read like 20 books and then 20 books and then 15 mm-hmm. books, like, like intensely.
0: Um, huh? If nothing comes up, it's cool. Well, I always say
1: these two books, but like I don't know how I would be if I read them now, but they changed oh, me. Sure. Like like Siddhartha by Herman Hess. Yeah, okay. Changed me. And The Alchemist. Oh, I know man, it's that, corny, but that book. No. I read that book four times yes. at four different periods of my life.
0: Bro, me too. We just finished it again last week. I've hands down.
1: You because there's there's something about that. And I think maybe that's also where I get my, that belief of like, when you decide, when you make that decision, like there are forces that support you.
0: It's true because it's, it's true.
1: There, the, but that book, there's a simplicity to listening to your heart and going on journeys and going yep. on adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so Siddhartha so was big because it was like, here's this person who lives in the palace walls, who's this prince mm-hmm. or king. And, and he's like, ah, I want to I see the world. I want to see what's out there. You know, whether or not I'm like, I'm not saying I'm a Buddhist yeah. and I believe in every single thing. The, the sure. Bonus. Just like anything that highlights the hero's journey, yep. I think is a benefit mm-hmm. because it reflects back to you. Am I on my own hero's journey? And yeah. what do I need to do? But there are so many other books on my head that I just can't even like
0: think That's of right cool. now. Those, those are good reminders because you're right. And I don't think it's corny, man. That book, oh. I read The Alchemist every day.
1: I can't believe I'm forgetting this because I just gave it in another podcast interview where it was like my uh my book that I would have if I was on an island. Uh Atlas Shrugged.
0: Oh yeah. You know okay. It makes um, sense. So much of the, of the most
1: she's one of the most demonized women, you know. Um but I think she was a she predicted a lot of the stuff happening in the world today. And I For think sure. her work and her philosophy, well I'm not gonna sit here and say I am a one hundred percent objectivist. Not nah. right. I think her book has so many lessons to a person who wants to take ownership over their life and wants to know themselves and be creative and productive
0: and uh, add value to the world. Wow. Amazing. Well, you're awesome. I really appreciate your time today, man. I, uh, I'm excited to see you on Tuesday for the last uh, meeting of the rise of the herd and I'm definitely spreading the word to, uh, others. Cool, bro. To, to yeah. We're, we're launching
1: our next round. Uh, I mean, uh it starts January eighth. So yeah, man, anyone who wants to come along for the ride, you know, come along. You know, rise above the herd.co. You yeah, it's worth it. it.
0: Where where uh could people find you? If I'll well, put a bunch of links in the show notes, of course, but
1: yeah, I mean the, the, they're the three main links. I mean Rise above I mean uh, here for the truth dot com is our main platform that has all our podcast episodes if you want to watch them. Obviously if you're a listener, you can listen on your preferred platform, Apple, Spotify. And then from here for the truth.com, you can also find rise above the herd and friends of the truth, but we have separate websites, rise above the herd.co. You want to go read it 50 times like Paul did go ahead. Mm, (laughs) And then friends of the truth.co is our membership community. And I just think our membership community is cool, man. Our telegram is awesome. The calls that we have monthly are great. Um, And, you know, I like getting to like know people and hang out with them in that platform. So yeah,
0: those are the three main websites. Thanks. I'm surprised at how attentive y'all are. I'm like, these guys are busy and they're responding to like little comments and like meme channels and shit. I'm like, I don't know how you guys do it, but you're yeah. definitely uh, involved. I didn't think you were going to be so involved.
1: No, no. I mean, it's it's a, like that's also like one of the ways we connect with people more. You know, it's just, like yeah. and, and people are into the podcast. Like, you want to like come kick it with us. Like, it's friends of the truth. Like, you get a yep. piece of us and our life and who we are. For sure. and, like, it's not. And I don't say this like, oh, we're special. Come hang out with us. But if you want to, if you like yeah. want to hang and like, friends of the truth is where it's at. And it's a good crew of people, you know?
0: Yeah, it's been fun uh, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, thanks a lot. I'll let you go. I really appreciate it. And we will catch you up. We'll talk again in the future. All right, brother. Anytime. Thanks. All right. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to support the show, you can make a donation on PayPal. You can find me at Mr. Paul Bry at M-R-P-A-U-L-B-R-I. Or feel free to pick up a copy of my book uh, recently on Amazon called International Backpacking and Domestic Travel. What I Learned While Traveling the World, a comprehensive how-to guidebook. You'll find that link below in the show notes. Take care. Thanks again and grow food, not fear.